Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to study the Bible with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. It's essential if we're to make a successful relationship with Jesus Christ that we understand his mind. In all relationships, we depend upon a common way of thinking. We cannot pretend to have a relationship with Jesus if we don't understand what he says. And the message of Jesus is summed up as the gospel about the kingdom. You'll remember the two verses that we constantly repeat on these programs, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus there laid the groundwork of his whole salvation program by urging people who listened to him to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, it's on the horizon, therefore turn around, repent, reorientate your life in a brand new direction, adopt a new set of goals and ambitions, and seek a place in the kingdom of God. That text in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 is really a beautiful summary of the Christian faith and Jesus' request that we repent and believe in that vital message about the kingdom of God. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus unpacks his whole mind for us in an exceptionally interesting way. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. That's the reason why God commissioned me. And so from that text we see that the purpose for the whole of the missionary activity of Jesus Christ was the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. On one occasion, in Luke 9, verse 60, he talked to a young man and said, Go and you preach the kingdom of God everywhere. The young man, you remember, wanted to bury his father first and take care of certain family affairs. But Jesus said, No, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere. And so the proclamation of the kingdom of God was the reason why Jesus gathered a number of apostles around him so that they too could be instructed in the gospel of the kingdom and take part in the extended missionary activity of Jesus by taking that gospel of the kingdom to all who would hear it. In Matthew 13, verse 19, Jesus spoke of the word of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom as being the essential saving seed which creates the born-again experience. Seed, you know, initiates new life and the new life of regeneration or rebirth comes by contact with that seed. And so in Luke 8, verse 12, and that's Luke's description of the same parable of the sower, Jesus said an extraordinary thing in the 12th verse of Luke 8. When anyone hears the message, that's to say the message about the kingdom, the devil is there ready to snatch it away from his heart so that he may not believe it and be saved. Jesus, in other words, makes the reception, the intelligent reception of the message of the kingdom the absolute essential for the beginning of the Christian life, the rebirth experience. To be born again is to accept that saving message, the seed or the message of the kingdom. And the devil knows this very well, and so he's constantly trying to block and to jam and to deflect that message so that it cannot take root in the heart of the believer. Jesus there in Luke 8 verse 12, so to speak, takes the lid off the activity of the devil the devil does not want that message of the kingdom to be publicly known, and therefore he does his best to obstruct it and to prevent it 
from being intelligently received by the potential convert. Now, in speaking of the kingdom, we must point to that one book in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, which perhaps more than any other influenced Jesus and his concepts about the kingdom of God and his own role as the Messiah. Now, Jesus, of course, recognized every word of the Hebrew Bible as divine revelation from the one God of Israel, but one book in particular stands out as being a great key to his understanding of his own role and of God's purpose in the world, and that book is the famous book of Daniel. It's worth pointing out that the book of Daniel actually occurs in that third division of the Scriptures, which Jesus recognized in Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. He there spoke of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, as consisting of three parts, the law and the prophets and what he called the Psalms. The Psalms, in fact, was the first book, the head book, of the third and final division of the Hebrew Bible, known as the Writings. And the Jews to this day refer to the Hebrew Bible, what we have as our Old Testament, as the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. Now, it's in the Writings that we locate the book of Daniel, not actually in the Prophets of Israel, although Daniel was indeed a prophet, but his book is somehow regarded as special, and it takes its place in that third section of the Hebrew Bible known as the Writings. Daniel, of course, was a captive at the time when Nebuchadnezzar exiled the Jewish people in the 6th century B.C. Daniel was a brilliant young person singled out by Nebuchadnezzar for special office and special activity in the Babylonian government. Daniel, as we know, received an extraordinary range of visions and dreams, and the subject of those extraordinary revelations has to do with the end time, the time of the end, that's to say, the times leading up to the establishment of the Messianic kingdom in the future. As we know, Jesus and the New Testament writers divide history into two main sections. We're living in the present evil age, which is dominated by the work of Satan and his deception, but we're looking forward to the future age of the kingdom. When the state of affairs on earth will be totally reversed, Jesus, as the appointed Messiah, will be back on the earth, and he will administer a successful world government, along with the faithful of all the ages, who by that time will have been resurrected to immortality in the kingdom of God. It is to that grand future that Jesus calls us in his gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, in order to have an intelligent understanding of what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God, the heart and soul of his gospel, it's essential for Christians to have a good grounding in that marvelous book of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, we read in the first verse of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the vessels of the temple, the house of God. And Nebuchadnezzar brought them to the land of Shinar. That's the area known as the Mesopotamian area, of course, the land of Babylon, the land of Shinar, and he brought them to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officers, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Now amongst those royal family, the royal seed of Israel, were to be found some who were intelligent, good-looking. In fact, they had intelligence in every branch of wisdom, we read in Daniel 1 verse 4. They were endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, 
and they had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. In other words, Daniel and his companions were singled out as being especially brilliant young men and worthy of special training in the Babylonian Empire. In fact, in Daniel 1 verse 5, we read that the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And Nebuchadnezzar also appointed that they should be educated for three years. And at the end of those three years, they were to enter the king's personal service. Now, there's a direct parallel here between what Daniel had to do and what we as Christians experience. We too as Christians live in the Babylon of this confused world and we are appointed to the service of the king and we're in training in order that one day we may stand as executives with Jesus in that future kingdom of God. We have entered, in other words, as Christians, the personal service of the king. We're associated with the royal family. We indeed are the royal seed of Israel by incorporation into the commonwealth of Israel, as Paul explained in Ephesians chapter 2. You'll remember that Paul spoke of the Christian church as being the Israel of God, Galatians 6 verse 16, and in Philippians 3 verse 3 he spoke of Christians as being the true circumcision, the true Jews. And so we can identify directly with Daniel, although we may not be ethnically Jewish, we are incorporated into the seed of Abraham, according to Galatians 3 and verse 29. Now, there are, of course, multiple lessons to be learned from the book of Daniel, but it's appropriate that we should concentrate on the prophetic chapters in the book of Daniel, Daniel's great vision of the trouble that would happen before the establishment of the kingdom. In all of Daniel's vision, the horizon is the future age of the kingdom of God, and he has much to say about the events that lead up to that great denouement of God's plan. He speaks of troubled times in Israel, of an invasion of the temple, of the setting up of what's called the abomination of desolation. Much of this prophecy lies in the future, as we shall see from Jesus' comment on it in Matthew 24. And so in dealing with the book of Daniel, we're dealing with something that is close to the heart and the mind of Jesus. Jesus referred to the book of Daniel and expected his listeners to understand what those references would entail. It's important for us then, if we're going to think like Jesus and understand his teachings, that we also understand what had pre-existed in the book of Daniel long before the birth of Jesus. In this series on the kingdom of God, it's essential that we grasp the fundamental issues involved in chapter 2 of Daniel and later in chapter 7. And further prophecies are described in chapter 8, a great reign of terror by a king arising from the Greek kingdom. And then, of course, in chapter 9, the last verses of that chapter, there's the famous so-called 70 weeks prophecy, or 70 periods of seven. 490 years are involved there. And we'll have to examine in detail that very condensed and concentrated statement of the angel as he laid out that period of 490 years which would elapse before the final establishment of the kingdom. And then, of course, in chapter 10 through 12, we have one last final vision. We might refer to that remarkable revelation in chapter 10 through 12 of Daniel as the ultimate rebellion and the final solution. And by final solution there, we refer to the fact that God is going to send his agent, the Messiah, back to reverse the state of affairs on the earth and to establish worldwide peace 
in the kingdom of God, for which we pray, Thy kingdom come. We're going to suggest that the book of Daniel provides a unified whole. There's a certain logical system which pervades all of these visions. They all have the same horizon, the same terminus. They all end with the establishment of the kingdom of God in the future. They tell us much about those troubled times about which Jesus spoke in Matthew 24, the Olivet Prophecy, as he described the great tribulation and the abomination of desolation, which would trigger a time of unparalleled suffering in the Middle East. And following that time of great tribulation, the sun would be darkened, the moon would not give its light, and then they would see the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. The key to the understanding of Jesus in Matthew 24 are those two little words immediately after in Matthew 24, verse 29. It's immediately after the time of great tribulation triggered by the appearance of the abomination of desolation in the temple. It's immediately after that tribulation time that the sun is darkened and so on. And then they see the Son of Man visibly coming in power and glory. And at that time then he gathers the saints from the four corners of the earth and unites them in one family, the kingdom of God, in the Middle East as they proceed to take over the reins of world government and the kingdom of God is established on the earth. Daniel has much to say about that outline and Jesus' discussion of Daniel in Matthew 24 is really a development, an exposition of pre-existing material in the book of Daniel. It's part of our task as disciples of Jesus to understand the kingdom material in the book of Daniel. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.